second reading is taken from the epistles of the New Testament. Today's reading from Romans chapter 2. This text is the basis for today's sermon. I might encourage you as I read it to you today to substitute the name or the word Christian where you hear the word Jew today in this text. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You say that one must not commit adultery. Do, do you commit adultery? You who have whore idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So in 2013, Kanye West came out with a track titled, I Am a God. It was pretty offensive, and you can probably guess what it was about. And I'll be honest, I never expected to mention it in a sermon. But it was actually more problematic for me and the Christian church at large than when in 2019 Kanye West said, I'm a Christian and baptized all of his children. And even more problematic after that, his ugly public divorce. You see, the reason I mention this is because it is a celebrity example of what happens in the church all the time. And this text for this morning is really about blasphemy and hypocrisy and where its place is in the church, to which Paul ultimately draws the conclusion that blasphemy and hypocrisy have no place in the church. But thank God that Jesus makes room for blasphemers and hypocrites. As we march through this text this morning, it's like a boa constrictor coming around us, 
time and time again. And maybe we avoided the hammer that came down in Romans chapter 1. And if you forget about that hammer, go back and read Romans chapter 1 again. Maybe we avoided that, we sidestepped it. But if we sidestepped it, we thought we were safe as Paul begins to weave this snake around us that will squeeze us and will crush every bone of our spirits. Ultimately, so that we're left gasping for breath, looking for a Savior. And then Paul gives us a hint that a Savior is coming. Now first, before we even march through this text, I think one of the things we need to deal with is the fact that many of us are convinced, even as the boa constrictor weaves itself around us, many of us are convinced that these words aren't for us. And I think that, that we, can, we can convince ourselves of that because we are here in the Lutheran church. This is the gospel church. This is the church where judgment is set aside, where we know the full gospel. We have the doctrine that delivers it. And yet, even if that's true in doctrine, I'm not so sure that's true in practice. Because we, as Christians... We look around us at the world, and we want to know who's in and who's out. We want to know who's in and who's out because so often in our world, we have people who are putting bad marks on Christianity. We have, we have all of these people who are out there living as hypocrites so that the people who are out there look in here and say, well, their God must not be worth anything if people are living their lives that way. And we want to look around and say, well, th these are Christmas and Easter Christians. This, this isn't the real stuff. And we, and we begin to set a standard, and it's, it's, it's a low standard, but there has to be a standard. You have to at least do this to be here in the Christian church, to, to really call yourself a Christian. And we, and we take out the law like a measuring stick. And even though Even though I recognize, because I know the gospel, I recognize that if the law is a measuring stick, the expectation is perfection. And I'm way down here. And if I was looking up, there's nothing left to do but despair. So instead, what I'll do is I'll just zoom in on what's down here. And when you see that, well, now I'm a little bit better than this person. Or, or a little bit better than this person. Or maybe this person's a little bit ahead of me, but I can catch up. I'll just attend church a couple more times in the month. I'll come to those Wednesday services, and then, then, then I'll get them. You see, when we zoom in, when we use the law as a measuring stick, we often end up comparing ourselves to others because we don't want to despair at the perfection and how far short we fall from it. And as we compare ourselves to others, we set the standard. This is the minimum. This is what I know that I've, I've jumped over this far. And so I want to make sure that everybody else gets over it too. But when we set ourselves in that position to set the standard, not only is God's name being blasphemed out there, but when we're the judge, We're putting ourselves in the place of God. 
When we look around us and compare ourselves to others and deem ourselves to be more righteous than somebody else, well, we might as well all come out with a track that says, I am a God. You see, this text is a boa constrictor that squeezes us and it's not meant for the other people. It's not meant for the people out there. It's meant for us. It's meant for you and it's meant for me. If you call yourself a Christian, And you boast in the law, you boast in knowing the story of God. Maybe you boast in God and you rely on his story. Well, you actually have knowledge and truth by knowing that law. You have knowledge and truth by holding on to the story that God has written. You have access to this and you know and can approve what is excellent. Maybe you don't think of yourself as a teacher, but at least you think of yourself as having this knowledge. And so often, this knowledge doesn't bring us low as it should, but so often we hold on to this knowledge and let ourselves be puffed up. And then these words of Paul begin to squeeze. As he says, you who teach others, you who are puffed up, Do you teach yourself? Now we have to keep in mind here that this isn't just about these these Jewish people in the city of Rome who are out there doing whatever they want. They're, They're taking stuff from people. They're taking people's stuff, taking their women, robbing temples. They're out of control Jewish people. That's not the case at all. If we were to look at the lives of the, of the Roman Jews, they would be more conservative and more restrained than probably the lives of most people around them. But what Paul is pointing at here as he, as he unpacks that in verses 21 to 24, he's pointing at the issue of the heart that all of us have. That all of us who set the standard, that all of us who call people to the standard of our religion, we also have an issue in our hearts. He says, you who preach do not steal, do you steal? That doesn't mean we're going into people's houses and taking their stuff, but it means our perspective and the way our heart desires money is wrong and broken. It means that maybe, maybe I'll sell some shoddy merchandise for a lot more than it's worth or I'll buy it for a lot less than it's worth. It means that on a Sunday morning I'll, I'll hold back my wallet as I pass by the offering boxes. It means, it means that my perspective, even beyond all of that, if I'm doing all of the right things like the Jewish people who gave 10% consistently, My perspective on money is just so wrong because as I look at my retirement savings or I look at my bank account or I hold on to my own wallet, I call it my money. But it's not mine, it's God's. It always has been God's. This money doesn't belong to me and when I claim it for my own, I'm not just stealing from others, I'm stealing from God. 
You who preach, do not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? And we can look out there in our oversexed world and point our finger all over the place. We could set the standard, but here in this world, this isn't just something out there. But adultery and divorce have made its way into the Christian church. And more than that, the, the ways of our culture, the, the influence of pornography, and the way that we guard our eyes has made it into the church. Our hearts are wrong. In even more subtle ways, as a single person, maybe holding on to somebody who's not my spouse and acting as if this, this is somebody that God has given me as a spouse when he hasn't yet. Or being married when we fail to fear and love God so that we actually love and honor our spouse above all things when so often we take them for granted. And who else abhors idols more than us? We're here in the Christian church. We hate idols so much that we want to pass laws to prevent people from being able to establish idols in their lives. And yet, do you rob temples? And a reminder, this isn't the Jewish people going into the pagan temples, taking the stuff out and setting it up in their own house. This isn't like us going over to the Hindu temple, stealing all their gold, selling it, and putting it in the church treasury. When Paul's talking about robbing temples, he's talking about worshiping the things people worship in the temples. We might not go to the fertility goddess, but we might put our hope in our own children. We might not go worship the God of the sky who brings the rain down, who brings the crops so that we can have enough money, but we cut out the middleman and find our security in our money. You who teach others, do you teach yourself? And I recognize the irony of that, that I am up here telling you to practice what you preach, and I'm the preacher. And I think that puts me in the position of the chief hypocrite automatically. You see, when we see this hypocrisy and we measure the world by the law, we must either look at the people around us and compare ourselves and find ourselves righteous and find ourselves squarely here in the love of religion, just like everybody expects of us. We are the people who judge those on the outside. And yet, if we look up, we will despair. We will be crushed by the boa constrictor that comes around us. And what I want to encourage you to do this morning is to lift up your eyes and despair with me. Because you cannot keep the law. And we cannot hold others to that standard of keeping the law. But when we despair and we lift up our eyes to see how far short we have come from the perfection of what God has expected of us, we can lift up our eyes and see the Christ who keeps the law perfectly.
Lift up your eyes this morning. I can still see a lot of you looking at the ground. Lift up your eyes this morning. Don't be paralyzed by the guilt of being here in the boa constrictor that crushes your bones. Don't be paralyzed by that because you are a sinner. You have blasphemed God or you've been the hypocrite by whom the entire world blasphemes God. But that's not your story. Your story is the righteousness of Jesus. You see, we have to keep reading. And when we keep reading, Paul lays out the the circumcision that these Jewish people were hoping in, this religious practice that they were hoping in. And, And they had become convinced that for some reason, circumcision is a mark on their bodies that they are the ones who are keeping the law. But that was never what circumcision was for. Circumcision was a mark of God's promise. Circumcision marked them as the people who didn't deserve what God was giving them, but God gives it anyway. And Paul unpacks that in the next couple of chapters. We can see ahead and see him telling people that that the true keeping of the law is what Abraham does when he believes God and it's counted to him as righteousness. You see, what Paul points us towards is not comparing ourselves to others, but he tells us to despair of the perfection of the law and then receive a circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, which is faith in this Jesus. Faith in a Jesus who lives his life perfectly. Faith in a Jesus who who fulfills the law perfectly for us and has an obedience that goes so far that his obedience even brings him to the cross where he dies a blasphemer's death, where he dies as a hypocrite. And that hypocrite and blasphemer Jesus hands his righteousness to you. He cuts you free from the boa constrictor. You see, Jesus has freed you from the obligation of the law. You are not free from this text by comparing yourselves to others. You are free from what Paul accuses us of only by faith in Jesus. Jesus cuts us free from the law that crushes. He cuts us free. And what that life of freedom looks like is it looks like us not setting the standard for others, but loving them faithfully. Like I said, I never expected to quote Kanye West in a sermon, but here it goes. (laughs) In 2019, he comes out with an album titled Jesus is Lord. And on that album, there's a song titled Hands On. And there's this kind of refrain that keeps coming up in that song. The refrain is, what have you been hearing from the Christians? Mind you, I am not a rapper. I have no aspirations to be. (laughs) The way he says it is, what have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first ones to judge me. Make it feel like nobody loves me. You see... I think this 
is a perspective of hypocritical Christians. And if this is a community where we hide away our hypocrisy to convince others that we have made it to the standard, we are only trying to fool ourselves and God, and that will be exposed on the last day. But if we can be honest about our sin, we approach a God who cuts us free from that constraint of the law, well, then we can look at others and love them. Towards the end of that song, he begins to say, I understand your reluctancy, but I have one request, you see. Don't throw me out, but lay your hands on me. Please pray for me. You see, in this world, because we are sinful, because our righteousness is down here, we will recognize the sin of the people around us. They'll probably be sinning against us a time or two. We will recognize the sin around us, and it will come up in our hearts that we want so desperately to judge them for the way that they have put other things in their heart above God. And yet when that temptation comes... Respond with prayer. Pray for those people because they are a hypocrite just like you are. Pray for those people because they don't need another judge. They need a brother. They need a sister. And as we understand that our heart is a competition for the throne of our heart all the time, and as we understand that as often as somebody, something throws Jesus off of the throne of our hearts, so often it will happen for our brothers and sisters. But they don't need another judge. They need somebody to pray for them and remind them that Jesus is their righteousness. That Jesus has cut us free from the law. And as we look around at this world, we can look around at our brothers and sisters in freedom, without judgment, knowing that they are free too. Because Jesus' righteousness is theirs. And he has set you free. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.